with me. Lord, we just rejoice with the angels that Christ our King has come into the world. And we just rejoice with one another and encourage one another in that reality tonight. And Lord, as we look at this marvelous passage that Luke has recorded for us, I pray you would give us new ears to hear, new eyes to see, and Lord, warm our hearts to the reality of your grace and truth for each and every one of us as we seek to follow you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I don't know about you, did Christmas come fast? I mean, December flew by, but I have to say... That over the last couple of weeks, I've been reacquainted with some of those great 20th century Christmas songs over that, that, of my childhood that I've really become reacquainted with over the past couple of weeks. Perry Como's I'll Be Home for Christmas from Cannonsburg, PA. They'll never let you forget it. I lived there for eight years. Perry Como's from Cannonsburg. Uh, the Royal Guardsman, Snoopy's Christmas. Anybody? Anybody? You know, that was awesome when I was a six-year-old. Uh, the Carpenter's version of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. It's the first time I ever heard it. it was Karen Carpenter singing that in her beautiful voice. And what has become my favorite, Alabama's Tennessee Christmas. Just, I, I've been singing that more than any song probably this year. Uh, song, Christmas song of all the years so far. But I was reflecting on the carpenters have yourself a, a merry little Christmas, and I didn't know this, but Judy Garland recorded that in 1944, written by Hugh Martin, for the movie Meet Me in St. Louis, which is set in 1904. It's a beautiful story, and oh, if you've never heard Judy sing it, do yourself a favor. Before you lay your head down tonight, have Judy Garland sing to you, have yourself a merry little Christmas. Which she says this, have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. From now on, your troubles will be out of sight. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Make the yuletide gay. From now on, your troubles will be miles away. Here we are, as in olden days. Happy golden days of your faithful friends who are dear to us gather near to us once more. Through the years we will all be together if the fates allow. Hang a shining star upon the highest bough. So have yourself a merry little Christmas now. So I'm listening to Judy sing this and I'm like, wait, wait, wait a second. Is that real? I mean, I'm celebrating Christmas with my heart and its lights and all my troubles will be out of sight? All of my troubles will be out of sight? Um, faithful friends who are dear to us gather near to us once more? Well, that's not true. Through the years, we'll all be together with the fates allow. Hang a shining star upon the highest bough. With who? You know, that's... Not reality for many of us as we gather here this Christmas. But Luke records us a reality that each and every one of us need to see, which was much better than anything Judy could sing to us. I want to look at verse 13 and 14 of Luke's gospel. 
And what we're going to learn tonight in just those two verses is that God is our ally. Two, God's highest glory is with the humble. And three, true peace can be ours together. God is our ally. God's highest glory is with the humble. And true peace is ours together. So first, Jesus, God, is our ally. Verse 13, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. When we think of this verse, we think of the preschool pageant, right? And you got these beautiful little kids dressed in robes and halos. Uh, but when we think of it that way, I don't think we do Luke's narrative much justice. The word host here is a military word. In other words, it could have been translated a multitude of the heavenly army. <laughs> These are angels. Why do you think they said to the shepherds, fear not? They didn't look like a bunch of preschoolers dressed in robes and halos. It's more like a heavenly God special ops unit. Ghost Recon, Navy SEALs, it's the cavalry of Rohan on the ridge arriving just in time to come down to the fields on the plains before Minas Tirith that you've all read and seen, right? That's what this is. It's this awesome sight. And no nativity scene for the past 2,000 years, I think, have really accurately portrayed what Luke is trying to get across to us. This army is following the Lord of hosts who's in a feeding trough. He's the prince of heaven, God's only son, our savior. And at the, his command, at his beck and call, they will do whatever their commander orders. So they are given the order to come to the shepherds. And what do they say? Do they come with their swords drawn, ready for paddle? No. They say, fear not, for we bring you great news of a great joy for all the people. For today is born to you, this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And they come with a message of peace. They don't come to wage war. Because Jesus is not your adversary. He's your ally. Whatever you think or whoever you think God is, many of our culture think God is just that distant watchmaker who set the world in motion and let it go, and they've never heard from him since. And your prayers just bounce off the ceiling. Others think he's that loving grandpa who always gives you candy. No matter what, he will always give me what I want. My friends... No, what we have here is the Lord of all in a feeding trough. And one of the names we've discovered and we talked about just a couple of days ago for Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God with us. The whole Christmas narrative demonstrates the truth that the magnificent, holy, all-powerful, all-knowing creator God desires to be with us. To replace, to relate to us not on a 
transactional model. You do this for me, I will do this for you. No, it's on an unconditional grace model that no matter what we do, we are still loved. He is our ally. Love himself wants us to truly experience his love and grace. It means we're never alone in this life. We are never abandoned. We're never forsaken. We are never pushed to one side. We are never left behind. It means that someone greater than us is walking this life with us. Our constant help, our constant friend, always close, always at hand. It means we are free from fear. Free from fear of the power of the unknown. The fear of getting it all wrong. The fear of making the wrong decision. Fear of not being enough. We don't have to fear. Because we are loved by God with us. So I want to invite you to let your defenses down. Because Jesus is your ally. Secondly, we learn in this passage that God's greatest glory is with the humble. Because as they're departing, 10,000 special ops angels show up and they say, glory to God in the highest. Now wait a second. This just kind of blows our minds when we think about it because they're saying glory to God in the highest and he's in a feeding trough. How does that work? You know, the Son of God did not need to be born in a palace to be admired by important people because Jesus already had a better palace. Jesus had the approval of his Father Jesus does not display his highest glory by making himself amazing in the eyes of all the important people in the world. God's highest glory is displayed not by how high he can go, but how low and humble he can go. God's highest glory is arguably the lowest point of God's existence. The Son of God Born and laid in a feeding trough with an angel army shows up. They say the glory to God in the highest. God's greatness is his humility. And God's greatness is his love. Despite all our flaws, we are loved. See, we don't have to provoke God to anger. Okay? We, we have to provoke God to anger. No one has to ever provoke God to love. He doesn't delight in the death of the distant ones from him. God rejoices over the repentance of those who come to him. He puts his love so low that anyone can get in on this. We so often think that if we're going to get to God, we have to reach higher. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the complete opposite. If we want to receive the love of God, we get low. We get humble. It's no wonder that historically the great awakenings throughout human history have always been among the poor. And always the poor in spirit. Rather than the middle and the upper classes. Because he was born and laying in a feeding trough. So if you're riding high on the market right now, 
if life's going well and you can think of 10 reasons why you're a real asset to Jesus, uh, you're not ready to receive him. Come back when you've suffered a little bit. Come back when your plans have failed. But please, come back. But if you're weary, heavy laden, you have burdens and you need rest, if you're mourning and you long for comfort, if you, if you feel worthless and wonder if God even cares what you're going through, if you've struggled in your walk with the Lord throughout this week and you long for strength, if you're sick to death of your success, if you're sick to death of your failures, if you're one of those who've kept God's at all on, on arm's length running your life your way without him, which we all tend to do, then come to Jesus, the Savior King. And your life can be a beautiful Kansas for the higher glory of God, not because you're impressive, but because God's greatest glory is in lifting up the humble into the heavenly peace. And that peace can be each and every one of ours tonight. I've never known anyone who stepped into the peace of Jesus Christ and didn't look back and look at their former life as kind of a half-life. Some of us have been walking with Jesus so long that we've forgotten what inner turmoil, inner turmoil really truly looks like. Because God's peace is so real. But if you're in the midst of inner turmoil and chaos... You're precisely who Jesus came for. His peace is for you. His peace is for the humble and lowly, for his highest glory, and for our peace. Finally, true peace can be ours together. Notice what they say. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. We're all used to Linus quoting the King James. Peace and goodwill to men. That's not a good translation of the Greek. Actually, this is more accurate. Peace among those with whom he's pleased. You know, it doesn't take a genius to realize the world's not a peaceful place. Just open a Twitter account. All right? Read the news headlines. The only way to truly have peace is this relationship with Jesus Christ. And I know some of you are thinking, oh, I knew there was a catch. You know, I knew it. You know, I, 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 I can't be that good. This isn't for me. Well, you're missing the whole point if that's what you're thinking. The reason the angelic army is gathered around these shepherds is because this baby is an entrance into the pleasure and peace of God. This baby is how God is pleased with us. Because we sin. Therefore, we're offended, we have offended God. And by offending him, we set ourselves at odds with God. And God has to do something about that. And he has every right to bring judgment upon it. But he didn't leave us to ourselves. It wasn't enough for him to leave us to our own devices. This is why he sent Jesus Christ. He came, and his love is so great and so loving and so glorious that by upon 
the cross, says St. Paul, he, we are offered his peace. Colossians 1.20, he made peace by the blood of the cross. This is how God is pleased with us. By trusting in Jesus Christ alone for my salvation and my eternity, I receive his peace. Peace with God and a peace with the fellow people of God. When we realize that we're at peace with God through trusting Jesus Christ, we can trust one another. We're free to love one another. We're able to look one another in the eye and speak the truth in love and express lovingly what's best for them because we don't need anything from them. We have all that we need. So here is the place where God has chosen to reveal his highest glory in the peaceful human relationships within what is known as the church. It's not by our clever arguments. It's not by our beautiful buildings. It's not by our efficient structure. It's not by our cultural power and authority. It's in the beauty of a gospel culture people where everybody is welcome. The greatest argument that this is a reality is communities where not only is this gospel preached and taught, but where this gospel is embodied in the acts of peace and love. No wonder the world looks at the church and wonders if Jesus is truly a savior. It breaks my heart to say it. We've largely lost credibility as a people who love. But I got to tell you, I love what I'm seeing here among us at Christ Church and the way people have been loving one another and loving their neighbors this past year is palpable and beautiful because this good news changes everything. And so God is moving in and through us because the church isn't a building. It's a people who love Jesus Christ and they love one another and they desire to have their neighbors where they live, work, and play know it and be blessed by it by walking as people of great peace. You know, the author of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, Hugh Martin, was one of those who had great peace. After this song became a hit in 1944, every Hollywood screenwriter wanted him to come write music for them in L.A. So he moved out to L.A. If you didn't know, L.A. is a lot different than New York. All right? And he fell low, really low. And it's in that lowly state he surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. And so he desired over time to make sure that his most beloved song reflected the reality of God's grace. And so he wrote another line to have yourself a merry little Christmas. And it says this, have yourself a blessed little Christmas. Christ the King is born. Let your voices sing upon this happy morn. So have yourself a blessed little Christmas now. Would you open up the gift that is offered to you in Jesus Christ tonight? Would you open up both sides? There's two sides of this gift. There's the Savior side and there's the Lord side. So many people open up the Savior side and say, oh, I believe that, and it doesn't affect them. 
friends, even as a baby in a feeding trough, he's Lord, he's King, and he loves with an everlasting love because that's what the cross is all about. And if you open up the Lord's side, you don't open up the King's side, the Savior's side doesn't work very well. So I want to encourage you to just pray along with me in your heart because this is what a blessed little Christmas is truly all about. Merry Christmas, my friends. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you this night grateful for this angelic message that reminds us that you are our ally. You haven't left us to ourselves and that it's recognizing that your glory is greatest as we place our whole trust in you and your work upon the cross for us and that your greatest glory is with those who are humble. And Lord, in so humbling ourselves, we can have true peace together. May we be such a people of peace every day of our lives forthcoming and that these next 12 days of Christmas would be great delight in who we are in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let us bless our faith in the words of the nice.